this morning, take your Bibles and make your way to the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. We're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 this morning. We're going to read a number of verses in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, but one verse will serve as our text, and uh, not all of that verse, just a portion of that verse. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, I direct your attention to verse number 30. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30. There the Bible reads, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Now, the title of the message this morning is Jesus, Our Wisdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. We rejoice in being able to sing these old hymns that have such valuable and precious truths contained within them and we thank you lord that they do direct us to you and to christ jesus and uh, lord they truly do focus us on what worship is and i pray today lord as we're gathered here today that we would focus on the other parts of the service that direct us to worship and that'd be the reading and the preaching of your word lord i just pray that you'd help us to grasp what you have for us today Lord, we thank you for Christ Jesus, who is our everything. He is our life, and Lord, of course, that means that he is our wisdom. I pray that if we've never really considered this topic, that you'd help us today to consider what this means, that we're told in Scripture that Jesus is our wisdom. I pray that you'd impart wisdom to us through Christ Jesus, and it's in his name we pray. Amen. Jesus, our wisdom. Shakespeare famously wrote the fool doth think he is wise but the wise man knows himself to be but a fool now Shakespeare of course is often quoted and of course uh, wrote such great literary works that we can't uh, we can't really question his brilliance in that particular sphere but in philosophical things and of course in uh, spiritual matters He wouldn't be the first person that we would go to, but he does, of course, give us sound guidance here. What Shakespeare wrote is, of course, according to Scripture. The fool thinks he's wise. Now, the world is full, F-U-L-L, of fools. Fools who think themselves to be wise. You need not only turn on the television and watch any of the talk shows or any of the news shows that have opinion pieces on them to understand that. Yet Paul in our text is contrasting this world's wisdom with true wisdom. He is revealing the true source of wisdom. Jesus is our wisdom. Now, if you want to be truly wise, according to what the Apostle Paul writes here in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, then ye must be in Christ Jesus. We're going to talk about what that means. And we're going to talk about what it means when Paul writes, Jesus is our wisdom. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever pondered that and considered that? So often we in reading our Bibles, we just gloss over topics that really we don't seem to understand or fully grasp the import of what the writer is trying to convey. What does it mean? Jesus is our wisdom. 
and how do we apply that in our own particular lives and in our Christian walks? Well, this morning there are three applications that I want us to look at uh, that show us how Jesus is our wisdom. Three applications. The first application, we see that Jesus instructs us as to what true wisdom is. He instructs us. Secondly, Jesus illustrates what true wisdom is. And then thirdly, Jesus imparts to us true wisdom. In other words, if we're going to be wise, it must be through Jesus imparting true wisdom to us. And so, (coughs) this morning, we're thinking on this topic, based out of 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 and verse number 30, Jesus our wisdom. Let's, Let's look at the first application as to how Jesus is our wisdom. The first application is this. Jesus instructs us as to what true wisdom is. In other words, Jesus teaches us. He teaches us what true wisdom is. Now, I am going to tell you this morning that if we were going to take the approach that um, Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, and of course He is, right? If we're going to take the approach that Jesus is God manifest in the flesh, and therefore we're going to examine all the scriptures or include scriptures that detail uh, God the Father in wisdom, uh, we'd be here much longer than what we're going to be this morning. I want to limit our, our investigation this morning to those verses that deal with Jesus and wisdom. Because I'm going to tell you that the Bible is full of God the Father's wisdom and God the Father imparting and instructing wisdom, but that isn't what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30. He says, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, <coughs> who of God, and he's clearly talking about Jesus, Jesus of God is made unto us wisdom. So I want to limit, I want to limit our investigation into Jesus' wisdom and how we apply Jesus, our wisdom, to the uh, points that we're referring to. So we, we, we point out, first of all, this first application. Jesus instructs us as to what true wisdom is. Jesus teaches us what true wisdom is. Now, I want us to note as we unpeel this and we uh, dig down into the topic today, Jesus instructing us as to what true wisdom is, is first of all, according to God's sovereign design. This is according to God's sovereign design. And we know that because of what Paul writes in verse number 30. Now watch this. Look at what Paul writes about. First of all, Paul writes about God's purpose in verse number 30. Don't miss what he's saying. He says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus. Of him are ye in Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul is saying is that this is the eternal purpose of God of him of God the Father who is the the moving agent in our being in Christ Jesus it is God the Father of him are ye in Christ Jesus it is God's purpose that he would effectually work in us salvation and when we talk about being in Christ Jesus We're talking about being saved by the grace of God. Now, there's a difference between being in Christ 
and abiding in Christ. Abiding in Christ, we've talked about before, that is where we are tuned in with our relationship with the Lord. We're <coughs> we're feasting on the riches of Christ and we're looking to Him in every area of our lives. You know, there are some believers that don't do that. There are some believers that are saved and they don't honor and glorify the Lord in their walk. Well, we are in Christ according to God's purpose. This is God's effectual working in our lives. <coughs> Excuse me. Bear with me, please. <clears throat> so we see God's purpose here, right? This is all according to God's sovereign design. He, he says that of Him are ye in Christ Jesus. And then notice not only God's purpose, but God's provision. In verse number 30, he writes, Paul writes, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. It is God's purpose that we as His people be wise people. It is His purpose that we walk wisely. Now we haven't even talked about what true wisdom is yet. We're going to get to that here in just a moment. But I'm, I'm laying the groundwork and building the foundation as to Jesus instructing us as to what true wisdom is. It's according to God's sovereign design. He's, if we were to go back and look at the book of Ephesians and and, and read the first chapter of Ephesians and read what Paul wrote prior, and we are going to read what Paul wrote prior to verse number 30. Uh, you know, according as he has chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be special, that we should be peculiar, that we should be holy, right? And so it's God's purpose, it's his sovereign design that we would be wise people, and he has provided that for us. How? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He writes, uh, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God, Jesus of God, is made unto us wisdom. Now, I want you to know that Jesus is more to us than just wisdom. He's made more to us. God has provided Jesus to be more for us than just wisdom. Watch. He, but of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Jesus is all of those things to us. He literally is the reason that we are accepted with God. Jesus has bought us. He's purchased us. He's redeemed us. He's set us apart. He's sanctified us and made us positionally right and holy in the sight of God. And it is all through His righteousness. All our righteousnesses are His filthy rags, but we are righteous in Him. So if we are in Him righteous, if we are in Him sanctified, if we are in Him redeemed, then we have to understand that we are in Him wise. He's made unto us wisdom. This is a practical application that the Apostle Paul is talking about. And frankly, I don't know if we ever really uh, think about this, if, if we ever really discuss this. We ought to say and question ourselves, am I leading a wise life? Is the way that I'm living wise? And if it isn't, then we need to get closer to Jesus. Because of Him, we are in, of God the Father, we are in Christ, and Christ has made unto us wisdom. And so, we're talking about this first application. Jesus instructs us as to what wisdom is, what true wisdom is. It is according to God's sovereign design 
But then we think secondly about the scriptural definition of wisdom. The scriptural definition of wisdom. And this should be no shock to you. I've preached this for years and believed this for years. I believe it's right and proper. In Scripture, what is true wisdom? Wisdom is the proper application of biblical knowledge. It is the proper application of biblical knowledge. Wisdom is not equal to knowledge. In other words, just because you possess knowledge does not mean that you possess wisdom. I opened the service, the the message, by giving you a quote from Shakespeare. The fool doth think he is wise. There are a lot of knowledgeable people out there that are absolute fools. And I'm going to go one step further. There are not only a lot of secular humanistic people with a lot of knowledge that are fools, but there are a lot of people with Bible knowledge that are fools. They don't properly apply biblical knowledge. Now look, knowledge is related to wisdom. Understanding is related to wisdom. Instruction is related to wisdom. But wisdom is the incorporation of all of those principles. It is the proper application of biblical knowledge. You can have biblical knowledge and not be walking a wise life. Job, in the book of Job, the Bible says that, you know, great men are not always wise. And when it means, uh, when the Bible uses the term great, it's talking about older, mature people. You should expect that older and mature people should be wise. Well, let me ask you this. How's that working out with our current president? How's that working out with our current older members of Congress, both in the Senate and the United States House? It doesn't mean that you have wisdom just because you're older. You must rightly apply that wisdom. Brother Charles Spurgeon wrote this in reference to what true wisdom is. Wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool. But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. And so we have to be instructed. We have to be instructed as to what wisdom is. We we have to understand what wisdom is. Wisdom is not saying, you know what, I'm going to save up for my retirement. And I'm going to make sure that I have all my bills paid. And by the way, I can't afford to tithe and give offerings to the Lord through the local New Testament church. But I'm going to be wise in how I handle my finances. You're a fool. You're an absolute fool. Because you're not following the biblical knowledge that God gives us. You say, well, you know, I I want to make sure that I can uh, get my recreation time and my exercise time in. Or I want to make sure that I'm taking care of my children. And my children are being incorporated into society. And so that doesn't allow us to attend church faithfully on the Lord's Day. You're a fool. You put the Lord first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And you see this all the time, where people are thinking that they are doing what is right instead of trusting God. And you say in your heart and your mind, you know, that's so foolish. That's so foolish. But God has to reveal that to people, right? God instructs us as to what wisdom is. And so 
we, we see that Jesus instructing us, the Lord in particular instructing us as to what wisdom is. It's according to God's sovereign design. We have, have looked at the scriptural definition of wisdom. And then I want us to note this, as far as the application of Jesus instructing us as to what true wisdom is. God's salvation is decreed to be true wisdom. God's salvation is decreed to be true wisdom and is it is displayed in Christ. God's salvation is decreed to be true wisdom. It is displayed in Christ. Now, I already mentioned it, and you should understand this. If you are unsaved, you cannot possibly be considered wise. Because to be wise is to have the wisdom of Jesus imparted unto us, instructed with us, and that means that we're in Christ Jesus. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom. What do you think of the person who spends their entire life heaping up books of knowledge and learning and philosophy, and they've studied all the religions of the world, and they've heaped up great riches, and they die and go to hell? What has it profited them? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Would you count that person to be wise? You would not. You would say they're a fool. The Bible tells, the, tells us that the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The Bible tells us that he is a fool that puts riches and, 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 and fame and, and the pursuit of power above that of the knowledge of God and being saved by the grace of God. Just read the book of Ecclesiastes and you'll understand that. Now, let me prove to you what I'm talking about. Notice, and I told you we were going to read other verses in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1. I want you to notice in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1 the contrast that Paul makes between man's wisdom and God's wisdom displayed in Christ. Now watch. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter number 1, verse number 17. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 17. For Christ sent me not to baptize but to preach the gospel, now watch, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Paul's preaching was not to appeal to man's wisdom. He was determined to preach the simplicity of the gospel of Christ Jesus. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection according to the Old Testament Scriptures. And that's what he did. He said that's what Christ sent him to do. Now watch. Follow on. Verse 18. And by the way, notice Paul says, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. He's making it very clearly clear to us and to the reader and to the members of the church at Corinth to whom he wrote the letter that there is a contrast between the wisdom of the world and the wisdom of Christ and the wisdom of God displayed in Christ. Look at verse 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. That's the man in the natural flesh that says... Oh, I've got everything figured out. God doesn't matter. God doesn't see. God isn't concerned about me. I'm going to do things my own way, and God will just have to be okay with it. God says I'm going to bring that foolish 
wisdom to naught. Watch. Verse 20. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Do you see the contrast between the foolishness of man and the wisdom of God? How is the wisdom of God displayed? In the death of Christ Jesus on the cross. That is the wisdom of God. God's salvation is decreed to be true wisdom and it is displayed in Christ Jesus and not only in his death, burial, and resurrection, but in his life as well, as we'll discover later in the message. Now watch verse 22. For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. Now watch verse 24. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God, and the wisdom of God. You want to know true wisdom this morning? You want to know what true wisdom is? It is bound up in Christ Jesus. Is this not the proper application of biblical knowledge to know that Christ gave His life on a cross and that you are repenting of your sins and placing your faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus? That is true wisdom. Jesus Christ instructs us as to what wisdom is. It is impossible to be a wise person and not know Christ Jesus. I'm talking about in the biblical sense. If you want to seek all the wisdom of the world, have at it, but it's contrary to what God says. Now, I don't mean that we shouldn't be wise, right? I mean, I don't mean that we shouldn't handle our finances wisely. We shouldn't take care of our bodies wisely. We shouldn't live wisely. But I'm talking about the very foundation of true wisdom is revealed in Christ Jesus and His death on the cross. He is the wisdom of God. Now, let's read further in verse 25. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world, and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. How many, how many members of Congress do you know that are saved by the grace of God? How many, we have an esteemed doctor with us this morning. How many doctors do you know that are saved by the grace of God? How many lawyers do you know that are saved by the grace of God? How many, how many of these so-called professional, knowledgeable people do you know that are saved by the grace of God? You see, their knowledge gets in the way. The atheist is the knowledgeable person who says, well, this can't possibly make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. I can't reason it out. And therefore, my knowledge is higher than the knowledge of God. Is that not what Paul just wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter number 1? That we read. Paul didn't just write it. We just read it. Okay, You get what I'm saying. Man, listen. True wisdom we receive by the Lord Jesus Christ. He instructs us 
as to what wisdom is. When I say we receive it, I mean we have we receive knowledge of we know what it is. Jesus instructs us as to what true wisdom is. Now there's a second application that we see that Paul I think is getting at here in verse number thirty, where we're told that Jesus is our wisdom. There's a second application. <clears throat> and that is this. Jesus illustrates what true wisdom is. In other words, he embodies true wisdom. He is the personification of true wisdom. Who's the wisest person you can think of? I want you to take just a moment. Think about who who is the wisest person. If you were to have to say, you know, I, I gotta name somebody, I gotta put down on a on a questionnaire who the wisest person I know is. Who is the wisest person you know? And yet they pale in comparison to Christ Jesus. Jesus is the is the illustration of what true wisdom is. Why is he our wisdom? Because he is wisdom. He personifies true wisdom. Do you know that even all the way back in the Old Testament 700 years before Christ was born, right? The prophet Isaiah was prophesying about the coming Messiah. And of course, we, we're studying the book of Ruth on Sunday afternoon, and we know that, that Jesus Christ came from the lineage of King David, right? And so, uh, there, there's, a, there's a passage where the prophet, Isaiah the prophet, prophesies about the coming Messiah, and he talks to us about what this Messiah would be like. In Isaiah chapter number 11, verses 1 and 2, in Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, speaking of this Messiah... Isaiah wrote, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch, that's what the capital B, shall grow out of his roots. In verse 2, And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. It's the sevenfold Spirit of the Lord that would rest upon the Messiah. And sure enough, the prophecy is that when the Messiah was born, and Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is, he is uh, God manifest in the flesh. He did have the spirit of, un- of, of wisdom and understanding that rested upon Him. In other words, if Jesus were here on this earth today, you could, you could watch the life of Jesus, and He would literally illustrate to us and for us what wisdom is. Every question that you would have, you'd say, you know, I'm not sure what to do in this particular instance. Watch Jesus. Watch Jesus. He illustrates what true wisdom is. It was prophesied that He would be all wise. It was previewed during His formative years. Now I want to ask you this. How many 12-year-olds did you name when I asked you just a few moments ago to think of the, the wisest person you know? How many of you thought of a 12-year-old? Okay? How many of you, you know, say, oh, well, it's Doogie Hauser. I don't know how old Doogie Hauser was, but surely the guy who plays Doogie Hauser is not too wise. You know, we know that. But, you know, who's, did, you, did you think of a 12-year-old? And yet, Jesus' wisdom is previewed during his formative years. Turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 2. Watch Luke chapter number 2, and I want you to see here, beginning in verse number 40. Watch Luke chapter 2, verse number 40. Now his parents, Jesus' parents, excuse me, let's read verse 40. I was in 41. And the child grew 
and waxed strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and he, when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. Now, we're not going to read verses 43 through 51. You know the story. Jesus is left behind as he's reasoning there in the, in the temple uh, with uh, these people uh, that are talking the Holy Scriptures. And uh, his parents get uh, three days' journey away. They realize, hey, hey, where's Jesus? Where's our son? And they realize they left him behind, so they have to go back and get him. And they find him in their reasoning and, uh, with those in the temple, the doctors and those that were masters of the law. And uh, they, were, they were amazed that he was able to have this conversation and this discourse with these. And it's evidence, it's a preview of the wisdom that Jesus would display in his public ministry. And notice verse number 52. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. And so, Jesus is our wisdom, right? It was prophesied that He would be all wise. It was previewed during His formative years. It was perceived by others during His public ministry. As Jesus went forth and preached the Word of God, those that were around about Him saw the wisdom that He displayed and the wisdom by which He spake. In Matthew 13, verse 54, the Bible says that when He was coming to His own country... He taught them in their synagogue insomuch that they were astonished and said, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? So it was not only his speech, but it was the deeds that he had done. His wisdom was marked by what he said and what he did. Man, listen today. If you want somebody to describe you in those terms. You know, I know brother so-and-so. I know sister so-and-so. He or she's a wise person. It's marked by their speech. It's marked by their actions. You need to be looking at the life of the Lord Jesus Christ because He is our wisdom. It was, uh, it was displayed during His earthly ministry. And you know, not only was He the embodiment of true wisdom as prophesied, and certainly uh, He exhibited during His earthly walk, but He's the personification of true wisdom today. It hasn't changed. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is the personification of true wisdom today. Who are the, who are the people that, uh, uh, the heroes, uh, the role models that our younger people look up to today? If you were to say, hey, give me your top five role models, would Jesus Christ be in any list outside of you know, New Testament churches? I would venture to say that probably not even in quote-unquote evangelical churches would Jesus Christ make the top five. You know, He ought to be your top one. He ought to be our role model because He personifies true wisdom today. I want you to listen to what Paul wrote about Jesus' personification of true wisdom to the church at Colossae. Because in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 3, Paul wrote this. And he's talking about Jesus. He writes in Colossians 2, verse 3, in whom are hid all the treasures. In Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now the word treasures there literally means a deposit or wealth. If you're looking for a wealth of wisdom, 
in Jesus are deposited all the wealth of wisdom. Now don't read this verse in Colossians 2 verse 3 and think that somehow the wisdom is hidden so that it's mysterious and we can't see it. That's not what Paul is writing. He's saying that in Jesus are deposited all the wealth of God's wisdom, all the wealth of God's knowledge. He is literally a treasure chest of wisdom. How many people still today, still today, are looking for hidden treasure? I mean, people people go and dive in the depths of the ocean. They got these maps. I mean, still looking for hidden treasure. Looking for that chest of gold or that chest of, of, of hidden treasure that somehow they might find and have the riches of this world. What kind of treasure are you looking for? Because you're the richest person in the world. You have Christ Jesus. You are in Christ Jesus. And in Him are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I remember, and I've told this story, I believe, before, but when I was a, when I was a little, little fella, I'd go to the dentist, and I hated to go to the dentist, uh, not for the reason you would think. In fact, I would rather they shoot me up. Okay? To this day, give, give me 50 shots, I don't care. Do what you got to do with the needle. But uh, the, the dentist would give me that gas. And I would have such horrible nightmares it, it, during that gas that I, I dreaded going. I'm like, can't I just get the, you know, I mean, even as a kid, just shoot me up, you know. So to this day, I do, I do not like that. But all, every time after we were done, you know, I'd be walking out, and the assistant, there'd be this treasure chest full of all these different toys and stuff. And you'd get to go through the treasure chest and pick something. And uh, it wasn't nearly enough payment for the horrible nightmares and stuff that I experienced with the gas, okay? Uh, but, uh, you know, you get to go through the treasure chest. And, man, look at all this stuff. I just want to take a couple, couple handfuls. Well, you get to pick one. Guess what? In Christ Jesus are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, so we see this second application as to how... Jesus is our wisdom. The first application, uh, he, he in, instructs us as to what true wisdom is. The second application, he illustrates to us what true wisdom is. And so he teaches us what true wisdom is, and he exhibits what true wisdom is. And then the third application, how, how is Jesus our wisdom? Jesus imparts true wisdom to us. He imparts true wisdom to us. He is the source of true wisdom. And I've already mentioned this a number of times throughout the message, but it is only by Him and through Him that we can experience and attain true wisdom. Now that means, and again, this is a repeat, but I feel like I need to stress it, that means that we must first be saved and in Christ to experience His true wisdom. We must first be saved and in Christ. Now, what does the Bible say about the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord, is that's a phrase that's used multiple times in Scripture. Okay, mainly in the Old Testament. But it is a phrase that is synonymous with knowing the Lord. Right? The fear of the Lord is to know the Lord. It's to have an awe a reverence and a respect for God that comes because you have come to know and come to realize and understand who God really is, right? 
if we were to talk about repentance today, and I were to ask you if you've experienced true repentance, you would have to know who God is. You would have to say, yes, I see God as, as, as sovereign and holy, and I'm not holy. And so I realize that I've offended a righteous and a holy God. God didn't do anything wrong. I did what was wrong. And so I repent of my sins and I place my faith in the finished work of Christ Jesus. That embodies the fear of the Lord. It, the fear of the Lord is not having some terror that the Lord is going to strike you down dead. The fear of the Lord is a term that is used to be synonymous with knowing the Lord and being saved by the grace of God. And I'm saying to you that we must first be saved and in Christ to experience His wisdom. Listen to this. As Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 9 and verse number 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's the beginning of wisdom. And the knowledge of the holy is understanding. We can't, we can't possibly display and have true wisdom imparted unto us if we're not in Christ. If you're here today and you're not saved, you need to repent of your sins and trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The enemy will affront you with all sorts of thoughts, wicked and otherwise, to keep you from coming to Christ. But uh, Jesus Christ Himself said in John chapter 6 and verse number 37, that all that come to Him, He would in no wise cast out. And so we point you to Christ. We must first be saved and in Christ to experience true wisdom. Job chapter 28 verse 28 follows it up and says, and unto, the, unto man he said, Behold the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. And so, Jesus imparts wisdom to us, true wisdom to us. It begins with salvation. And then secondly, He supplies true wisdom to us through the Holy Scriptures. You say this morning, okay, I'm following, I'm tracking. Jesus is true wisdom. Jesus embodies true wisdom. He's the personification of true wisdom. How do I make the leap from Jesus to my practical life? Well, here's the answer. The Word of God. The Word of God. I have a problem with people who attack the Word of God and change the Word of God. In fact, let me go this far. I have no respect for somebody who wants to cast doubt upon the Word of God. It is not the preacher's role to tear down the Word of God and say, oh, well, you know, we, this was the Word of God then, but now we've discovered these later manuscripts and these are better. Ridiculous. It's foolish. We have the perfect, infallible, inerrant Word of God. Don't try to tamper with words, God's Word. You'll find no footing with me. Okay, You'll find no footing with me. Now, Jesus supplies true wisdom through the Holy Scriptures. Now, if we said, just like I said with the first point here, under Jesus imparts wisdom to us, that we first must be saved to experience His true wisdom, well, how do you know how to be saved? Answer, His Word. Paul wrote to Timothy, and he said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter number 3 and verse 15, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee what? Wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Why should we not tamper with the word of God? 
Because it contains the gospel, which is the power of God, unto salvation. Now, Jesus supplies us true wisdom through the Scriptures. The Scriptures teach us how to be saved. And they teach us how to serve. You say, you know, I really want, I'm really interested to know, is my life pleasing unto the Lord? You know, I, I think we should all examine this, right? And I examine this annually, and, you know, I'm in a new job right now, and it's a little different than, than my old job. It's, it's a little less fast-paced, and, you know, I mean, I suppose most people would be happy uh, with, you know, decrease in workload. Uh, it's driving me batty right now. Uh, I don't know how long I can do that, but, uh, uh, but um, you know, we, we should examine whether or not we're in the job God wants us in. Do you, do you ever do that? Do you ever think about, am I in the job that God wants me in? Am I doing what God wants me to do? Am I in the job that God wants me in? Am I in the relationship that God wants me in? By the way, if you're married, you are. Okay, don't, unless there's some kind of abuse going on there, you know, don't say, oh, well, maybe I should be with this person. No, no, the fool trusts his own heart, right? Uh, am, I, am, I, am I in the right relationship? Am I in the right church? Am I, am I in the right city? Am I where God wants me to be, right? And God will give you instruction on all of these things, but, but He doesn't just miraculously do that. He uses His Word to teach us principles. You won't come to the Bible and find what job you're supposed to have, but you will find principles on how to choose your job. You won't come to the Bible and find the name of the person that you're supposed to marry, but you will find principles on how you are supposed to choose and select a mate. See, it is the wisdom of God. Jesus imparts wisdom to us through the Word of God. Proverbs 15, verse 33, The fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom. It is the instruction of how to be wise. In Psalm 111 and verse 10, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do His commandments. And so, doing the commandments of God is linked with the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. Now, you can't be wise unless you're saved by the grace of God and you're in Christ and you're living a life that's pleasing to the Lord. There are times in our lives where we're not pleasing to God. There are times in our lives where we're not pleasing to our parents. There are times in our lives where we're not pleasing to our mate. There are times in our lives where we're not pleasing to our employer. That's a fact of life. Do you know that there are times in your life where you're not pleasing to God? You are not walking wisely. Paul gives instruction about that in the book of Galatians about... You know, if we see one that's overtaken in a fault, they're not walking wisely to restore that person in the spirit of meekness and fear. Jesus imparts true wisdom to us. He supplies true wisdom through the Scriptures. And here's a kicker. Thirdly, we must seek His wisdom. It isn't like once you're saved, God's going to zap you and make you this all-wise being. How about this? How about what, what Paul wrote to the church at Colossians in Colossians chapter 3 verse 16 where he wrote in Colossians 3 verse 16 let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom in other words 
We're either going to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly in all wisdom, or we are not. Do you know that Proverbs 8 is generally believed to refer to the Lord Jesus Christ? It is written in the first person. How about this quote from Brother John Gill on Proverbs chapter number 8? Gill writes, This chapter contains the instructions of wisdom or Christ showing the excellency of them and the author of them. Christ, under the name of wisdom, is represented as a herald publishing the gospel in the ministry of the Word. Now, let's turn to Proverbs 8. And we could well read the whole chapter this morning, but I'll leave you to do that on your own. I want you to notice Proverbs chapter number 8, verses 1 through 14. Proverbs chapter number 8, verses 1 through 14. I want you to notice our role in seeking and being open to the true wisdom that Christ imparts. What I'm trying to say this morning is that when we say Jesus imparts true wisdom, it isn't as though He's going to somehow get you down in a hammerlock and force you to be a wise person. He's the source of it and He supplies it, but we must be open to it and seek it. Now watch, Proverbs 8 verse 1. Doth not wisdom cry and understanding put forth her voice? She standeth in the top of high places by the way, in the places of the past. She crieth at the gates, at the entry of the city, at the coming in of the door, at the doors. Unto you, O men, I call, and my voice is to the sons of man. O ye simple, understand wisdom, and ye fools, be ye of an understanding heart. Hear, for I will speak of excellent things. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And the opening of my lips shall be right things, for my mouth shall speak truth, and wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness, there is nothing froward or perverse in them. They are all plain to him that understandeth, and right to them that find knowledge. Receive my instruction, and not silver, and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies, and all the things that may be desired are not to be compared to it. I, wisdom, dwell with prudence and find out knowledge of witty inventions. Now watch. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride and arrogancy. And the evil way and the froward mouth do I hate. Counsel is mine and sound wisdom. I am understanding. I have strength. Do you understand what, what uh, I believe Christ is saying to us in Proverbs chapter 8, verses 1-14? through 14? He stands ready to impart wisdom. He cries out. Here is true wisdom. Here is what the fear of the Lord is. Here is what is right, and here is what is not right. And by the way, that, that certainly comports with the description of the Word of God where we're told by Timothy that the Word of God is given to us that we might be rightly furnished and perfectly furnished and that we can uh, be able to rebuke and, and, and have uh, instruction from God's Word. And so... We're to seek His wisdom. And if you seek wisdom in Christ, it will be found because He promises, he promises to supply us with His true wisdom. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 8 reads, Wherein He hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence. He hath abounded towards Christ, hath abounded toward us in all wisdom. The word abounded there in the Greek means superabound superabound to exceed and to be abundant do you know that here in this life it is entirely possible for you to be a wise person to live as a wise person you know why jesus is our wisdom 
He's ready to impart wisdom to us. Man, listen. We overcomplicate things in this life, don't we? Jesus is our wisdom. There are three applications as to how Jesus is our wisdom. Jesus instructs us as to what true wisdom is. Jesus illustrates in His life what true wisdom is. And Jesus imparts true wisdom to us. I'm here to say today, just like James said about God the Father. In James chapter 1, James said, If you lack wisdom, ask God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. You know what? If we lack wisdom, ask Jesus. Talk to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus as we sing in that old song, and Jesus will make you wise. You know why? Jesus is our wisdom. Let's pray.